Welcome to the B'nai B'rith International Podcast. I'm CEO Dan Mariashin. Thank you for tuning in today. A little bit of housekeeping before we get started. Be sure to visit our website, b'naibrith.org, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter. The easiest way to get the latest episode is to subscribe on iTunes or Google Play on your smartphone. I'm joined today by David Michaels, our Director of United Nations and Intercommunal Affairs here at B'nai B'rith International. David has just returned from Paris and Geneva, where he and I traveled with a delegation of leaders from B'nai B'rith to UNESCO and the United Nations Human Rights Council, respectively. David and his colleague Oren Drury organized this annual visit, and he also addressed the council. During our meetings, B'nai B'rith leaders, led by our international president, Charles Kaufman, called attention to the singularly biased treatment of Israel in international bodies. These yearly meetings serve as a critical opportunity for B'nai B'rith to advocate for Israel on the international stage. And just a word about B'nai B'rith at the UN. B'nai B'rith was actually in San Francisco in 1945 when the UN was founded. 1947, we received our first uh, credentials as a non-governmental organization. And uh, then in 1959, 1960, we opened the first office on UN affairs in the Jewish community. So today we're represented in New York by David and his colleague. And uh, we're also in Paris at UNESCO and Geneva at the UN Human Rights Council and in other places where the UN has offices around the world. David, thank you for joining us today. Good to be with you, Dan. So our delegation started first in Paris. That's where UNESCO is headquartered. Uh, UNESCO is the United Nations Educational Science and Cultural Organization. Um, But uh, it has, uh, in recent years, uh, also become uh, one place in the uh, UN system where uh, the Palestinians have uh, become members and where uh, the, the push to advance uh, their narrative uh, against Israel uh, has really come into full view. So tell us a bit about that uh, visit uh, to uh, Paris, and particularly about our visit with the uh, Director General of UNESCO, uh, Audrey Azoulay. Sure. Well, uh, UNESCO is one of those UN bodies uh, that really has had Uh, universal uh, standing uh, and respect uh, for so many years. And and it's in light of that uh, that we've been so troubled by the agency's track record, uh, especially since the admission of what's called the State of Palestine to UNESCO uh, in 2011. We've seen this creeping politicization that mirrors Uh, uh, an exploitation of multilateral agencies elsewhere within the UN system against Israel. Uh, uh, And B'nai B'rith has been in the forefront uh, over the course of of decades, as you said. Uh, We've been active since the 40s and 50s, but uh, all the more so uh, uh, since the the Zionism is racism resolution at the General Assembly uh, in the 1970s and everything since that, uh, the Durban Conference on Racism in, in 2001, um, we've been in the forefront of pushing back, not only uh, in light of uh, uh, Israel's record and Israel's uh, entitlement to, to equality and fairness within international bodies, but also uh, for the, the credibility uh, and the standing of, of, of the UN system itself. Uh, so we visited uh, 
uh, over the past couple of weeks, as we have uh, pretty much every year. Uh, in just a couple of days, we met with dozens uh, of ambassadors and other senior diplomats from around the world. Uh, UNESCO has two major governing bodies. One is the executive board, and the other is the general conference. Now, the general conference uh, only meets every couple of years, uh, but the executive board uh, does the business of the organization in between meeting twice a year. Uh, the executive board will be meeting uh, this April, uh, so very, very soon. And in fact, the general conference itself uh, will be meeting uh, later in the year. Uh, in between, uh, in, in Baku, Azerbaijan, uh, the World Heritage Committee associated with UNESCO uh, and unfortunately politicized uh, more than once uh, over recent years as well, uh, will be meeting uh, too. Uh, so we uh, took our agenda uh, to uh, uh, missions throughout Paris, talking to ambassadors about our concerns uh, and to the director general uh, herself. We spoke about how um, UNESCO, as an organization whose mandate is to preserve truth, to, to stand up for education and for history, for culture, uh, for an agency like that to be misused by the Palestinians uh, is uh, wrong uh, and damaging not only to our community but to the body itself. But before we get to that point, the first issue that we raised when we were there, not only with the director general but also with the diplomats, was connected to a festival in Alst, Belgium, where in a, in a parade, there were uh, effigies of um, big puppets of um, stereotypical Jewish figures with, um, with uh, misshapen noses and with uh, money and uh, rats on the floor, a terribly anti-Semitic depiction of Jews. Yeah. Um, let's talk about that and why we raised that issue. Sure. No, that's it's, it's a good good point to to raise, and it was a key part of our uh, agenda while in Paris. Uh, this is the the carnival, uh, the traditional uh, carnival during uh, the Lent period, uh, held in Alst, as in so many other cities, especially in Europe, but also elsewhere. And unfortunately, that uh, that parade uh, has been known over the course of years for these gratuitously offensive. Uh, uh, displays not only toward Jews but toward other minorities uh, in in a way that really I think would shock people uh, to find in a, a Western democracy like Belgium uh, in the year 2019. Now, making matters worse, as you uh, suggested, this specific uh, parade uh, in Alst uh, has been uh, uh, nominally under the uh, the patronage of UNESCO or had the imprimatur of UNESCO having been inscribed uh, quite uh, some time back on uh, the intangible heritage list of the agency. Now, uh, in 2013, when we last had a display that was overtly uh, and shockingly uh, anti-Semitic, uh, the then Director General of UNESCO, Irina Bukova, had personally and, and strongly uh, spoken out, uh, and again, uh, during this latest manifestation, uh, the Director General's office had spoken out as well. Uh, now, unfortunately, uh, 
no mechanism had been in place to delist uh, a, a program uh, like this uh, since uh, the powers that be at UNESCO never anticipated that, that there'd be a need for that type of step. So we raised with uh, the, the current director general, uh, Audrey Azoulay, uh, as well as many of the diplomats with whom we met, the need for that type of mechanism to be put in place. It, it's simply unacceptable uh, for that type of display of, of, of bigotry and, and stereotyping uh, to not only uh, go on unchallenged, but to also be seen as tied to uh, an important body like UNESCO. And um, just uh, a couple of days before this program um, is being um, produced, um, there was a, a statement from her, from the Secretary General, on this matter. And uh, I suspect that um, this festival will be delisted um, against the backdrop of this uh, tremendous and dramatic increase in anti-Semitism worldwide, uh, and particularly in, in Europe. So we'll be watching that issue very closely. Um, David, you mentioned the World Heritage Committee, which has a connection to UNESCO. Um, the Heritage Committee is is been the the locus for various attempts by the Palestinian side to erase Jewish history. Uh, what do you see coming out of the forthcoming meeting? Um, and um, with the executive board as well, what problems do we have on the horizon regarding this issue of, of erasing uh, Jewish history? Well, there, there's a bit of a new dynamic uh, within UNESCO um, with a, a, a bit of a distinction uh, for the World Heritage Committee. Uh, as of the beginning of, of this year, of, of 2019, both the U.S. and Israel uh, have taken the step of, of withdrawing as members of UNESCO itself. Uh, so we're going to have to see over the coming weeks and months uh, whether uh, the leadership of UNESCO and the member states of UNESCO are going to uh, take an approach of looking to address to, to reform the body and address those uh, catalysts for uh, the American and Israeli pullout from UNESCO or harden their position and repeat some of the uh, objectionable uh, practices uh, that have led to this moment of crisis for the body. The U.S. is a critically important part of UNESCO and frankly Israel, although a much smaller state, has so much to offer to every multilateral body, especially the one dealing with culture uh, and with education. Uh, and uh, if we're going to continue to see, and this is in the case of UNESCO itself and the executive board, if we're going to see resolutions that, for example, most notably, uh, take uh, the foremost holy sites in Judaism, not only elsewhere in, in the land of Israel, in Hebron and Bethlehem, but in Jerusalem itself, uh, up to and including the Temple Mount and the Western Wall, and reframe them as primarily or exclusively Palestinian and Islamic sites, uh, it's not going to be good uh, for UNESCO itself, and it certainly isn't going to be good for, for the cause of, of peace and reconciliation on the ground in the Middle East. Now, in terms of the World Heritage Committee, uh, there is an international convention uh, that governs that, uh, you know, with, uh, you know, tied to that body, 
and both the U.S. and Israel uh, remain a party to that convention. So unlike the executive board, where uh, the U.S. and Israel do not plan to participate in any direct way, uh, in the World Heritage Committee, Israel and the U.S. will continue to be very actively engaged. Now, the Palestinians have tried all kinds of uh, maneuvers to instrumentalize uh, the World Heritage Committee to uh, advance their uh, political narrative and goals. Uh, for example, uh, uh, in parts of Judea and Samaria, the West Bank, uh, where Israel has built its critical and life-saving security barrier uh, going back years, the Palestinians fairly arbitrarily uh, uh, chose to pursue World Heritage status and sometimes endangered uh, heritage site status in order to uh, interfere with Israel's ability uh, to uh, to engage in this this critical uh, defensive effort elsewhere uh, with churches and other sites. Palestinians have sought the Palestinian Authority has sought to uh, have these sites often tied to Jews as much as anyone else, listed as exclusively Palestinian sites in order to advance a political claim. So to answer your question, we're not yet sure how the member states are going to approach these two sessions. We know from our meetings that there's a great deal of fatigue and even resentment among member states at those who have hijacked UNESCO and brought it to the place where it is now. Uh, but that said, and, and perhaps we can talk about this more in a few moments, uh, unfortunately, we in the pro-Israel community, and not only uh, in the Jewish community, uh, have uh, uh, been forced to contend with what, what we describe as an automatic majority or a near-automatic majority in these bodies. Uh, and that math uh, taking into account all of the Arab and, and Muslim and and other states aligned with them, uh, that math is very hard to overcome. Well, we uh, we uh, characterize this in our meetings as the politicization of this particular UN agency uh, and other agencies as well. That, um, as you described. UNESCO's mission earlier on in terms of dealing with cultural issues and educational and science issues and, and all of those kinds of things. And I would say parenthetically that uh, B'nai B'rith has participated and sponsored and organized uh, conferences on the Yiddish language, on the Ladino language inside UNESCO. But the, the march to politicize everything that goes on in that organization uh, is, is taking its toll, as you've pointed out, and as we will continue to point out, in order for the organization, hopefully at, at some point, uh, to uh, to reform itself, if that's if that's possible, let's move on to Geneva, to the UN Human Rights Council. Uh, each year, um, we go to deal with uh, resolutions that come up every year, which are biased against Israel. You can tell us about that, um, and. Uh, Let's talk about the votes that occurred on those resolutions, as well as some of the other issues that we discussed while we were there. Sure. Well, uh, as you as you say rightly, there's uh, there's been a basket of uh, resolutions and reports targeting Israel more than any other country in the world, including uh, the most uh, serial and 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 blatant uh, of of human rights uh, violators, Iran. 
uh, North Korea, uh, uh, Syria. Uh, Israel is, is far and away uh, uh, more scrutinized and more condemned uh, than any other of the UN's 192 uh, member states. Uh, and so these resolutions, they deal with uh, topics as varied as uh, Jewish settlements uh, in the disputed territories, uh, a demand for Israel to return uh, what's described as the occupied Syrian Golan uh, to the um, uh, brutal Assad regime, even amid the continuing and violent anarchy uh, in Syria. Uh, there's a, a resolution calling called, uh, uh, innocuously enough, uh, ensuring uh, accountability uh, for human rights violations. Uh, that resolution uh, endorsed a uh, uh, profoundly biased report that I can on Israel that I can talk about in a moment, and there have been a few others as well on Jerusalem and other topics. It, it, it goes without saying that for all of these resolutions that attack uh, this this tiny country uh, of less than 10 million people, the world's only Jewish state, and clearly the only democracy uh, in the Middle East. There are no resolutions attacking Hamas. There are no res resolutions attacking Hezbollah, uh, no resolutions uh, attacking so many of those responsible, truly, uh, for all of the instability and all of the conflict uh, in this region. And unfortunately, we've seen uh, more uh, of violence and, and more uh, uh, conflict, uh, 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 not initiated by Israel, but by its adversaries uh, over recent days. Uh, so we've spoken about these resolutions and report. In this particular session, uh, the uh, a body, the latest of, of many, put in place by the council a so-called commission of inquiry uh, on uh, what are described as protests in Gaza, but really uh, we're talking about Hamas organized and, and funded and, and inspired uh, violent riots uh, along the length of Gaza's boundary with Israel with the goal, with the explicit goal of overrunning that boundary, of having millions of Palestinians uh, 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 flock into Israel, overtake the country, attack Israeli civilian communities. This, of course, has been accompanied uh, over the course of, of, of years by rockets into Israel, by uh, incendiary uh, balloons and other devices uh, uh, wreaking havoc uh, in, in Israeli farmland and, and Israeli homes near schools all across Israel's south. And, and more recently, we, we've seen even Israel's central Tel Aviv region uh, targeted. So this commission of inquiry, with uh, a conclusion, an anti-Israel conclusion, set it in place in advance, uh, uh, reiterated those conclusions and issued them during this uh, current council session. Uh, and, and this and report is like, like so many that have come out of the Human Rights Council, where basically you could say that even before these, um, uh, these commissions of inquiry uh, begin their work, uh, the reports are already written because we know there's just a, a bias that is, is built in uh, to this particular kind of activity. Uh, that would also be true, for example, with this uh, special rapporteur uh, to who is uh, there to report on um, uh, Israel in the, in the territories. 
uh, and um, it seems that the uh, qualifications for that kind of uh, position uh, are that one needs to be anti-Israel. So this commission of inquiry was uh, was kind of in the the, the pattern uh, of this activity over over years. Absolutely, this is as if a a, a uh, juror pool. Um, were consisted of, of, of partisan activists with advanced uh, views on, on the matter at hand, and, and, and with that juror pool being given the verdict in advance uh, of a trial. Uh, so this, this commission of inquiry, uh, not for the first time, accused Israel of potential uh, war crimes, crimes against humanity, and, and this is Israel, which we know has been subjected to so much violence so many provocations, so many violent threats over the course of years and decades without any uh, international assistance or response, uh, that was the conclusion reached by this, uh, this biased commission of inquiry. And, and this is something that we've had to contend with this session. The one other, uh, uh, not quite novelty, but well, although, although it is uh, actually in, in, in some respects, that we've been focused on uh, during this uh, primary of the three annual council sessions has been what we describe as a blacklist uh, of companies that are deemed to be complicit in or profiting from uh, Jewish settlement communities in Palestinian claimed territories. The council uh, had decided really in an unprecedented way to uh, instruct the Office of the High Commissioner for Human Rights to put in place a, a so-called database of these companies, uh, in effect uh, marginalizing them, uh, tarnishing them, and isolating them, potentially for, for sanctions, uh, for boycotts, for divestment. We know uh, how much of a concern the, the BDS, the anti-Israel BDS movement, has become over recent years. Uh, this has been put in place uh, against companies engaged with Israel alone, no other country in the world. Now, we had been concerned uh, that this database, after a number of delays, uh, owing to efforts like those of B'nai B'rith and our friends, uh, that that database would now, uh, in fact, be published. Fortunately, um, uh, High Commissioner Michel Bachelet uh, 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 announced unexpectedly a number of weeks ago that uh, while she intends to comply with the mandate given to her, uh, she would not be able to do it on the timetable uh, uh, expected. Uh, so we're all going to have to continue to be engaged in making clear to the Office of the High Commissioner and, and to all others of influence within the UN system just how unfair, how discriminatory, and how damaging this type of effort is to peace and to prosperity on the ground, both for Israelis and for Palestinians. Exactly. And, and as we said in our meetings in Geneva uh, to, to the diplomats, that the, 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 place, you know, the, the place for this discussion is around a negotiating table. It's not for agencies of the United Nations uh, to be um, uh, the, the place where a cudgel is used against one side uh, in order to, to make a point. They're, that's what negotiations are for. And uh, what this does, and we've said this many times, is when UN agencies do this, they basically are enablers. They're enabling peace not to happen uh, by um, essentially uh, giving 
the Palestinian side, the idea that the international community is behind them and these votes and these resolutions and these reports, these blacklists. And uh, the Israelis say, of course, that, that they can't get a fair shake, which is true in these agencies. And therefore, uh, what happens in the UN, uh, which is a member of the quartet and is supposed to be encouraging uh, a negotiation, in fact, uh, winds up um, being uh, responsible for these disincentives to a, uh, to a peace process. Um, finally, David, I just want to talk about the, the, the Human Rights Council is an interesting body in that it is one of the very few multilateral fora in the world where non-governmental organizations like ourselves uh, have an opportunity to speak from the floor. And um, during the course of the year, we have an opportunity to um, have our interventions. They're not very long in time, but they do give us an opportunity on the same floor with the diplomats uh, to make our points. And you uh, presented the uh, B'nai B'rith intervention um, uh, uh, near the, uh, the vote on this, this Item 7 issue. Tell us about that. Right. Well, item seven is the the standing, uh, the permanent agenda item of the Human Rights Council uh, dedicated to, to scrutinizing, but really to, to um, maligning uh, and to targeting Israel alone, apart from all other countries in the world. And we, we did speak. I spoke under that item at the council. Uh, our representative, uh, Anita Winter, uh, spoke uh, under item four, which addresses all other countries uh, in the world. She spoke about global anti-Semitism and the need to recognize uh, anti-Zionism uh, as one of the most um, uh, pressing and prevalent contemporary manifestations of anti-Semitism. Under item seven, uh, I took the opportunity uh, really to point out the hypocrisy uh, at the council. Uh, this is a council uh, representing uh, uh, an international landscape where in virtually every region there are territorial disputes between uh, party X and party Y. We have this on almost every continent of the globe. And only in Israel, only in territories that happen to be not uh, far away uh, colonized lands, but the, the very heartland uh, of, of the Jewish people uh, in our biblical uh, homeland, our small biblical homeland, only those territories and what, what is seen as Israel's occupation, Israel's inappropriate or illegal occupation of them, are the, the, the subject of this unending and one-sided focus by the Council. So I spoke about uh, that point, and more generally the fact that Human rights uh, organs of the UN have utterly failed uh, to live up to the principle of universality in implementing uh, and, and safeguarding those very human rights. And by that I mean, as I said at the Council, that Israelis' rights are human rights too. None of us uh, look to deny the rights of Israel's neighbors, and Israel has been the first uh, to reach out and to, beginning with its Declaration of Independence in 1948, to extend an offer of, of, of peace and coexistence and partnership uh, uh, to each of its Arab uh, and, and other neighbors, near and far. Uh, but international bodies simply have refused to recognize that the fundamental rights of Israelis 
are just as uh, legitimate and just as critical uh, as the rights held by any other people. Now, if there's one silver lining uh, to this council session and to the recent this recent period, as I uh, uh, indicated a couple of minutes ago, it's that there's this growing fatigue with the exploitation and politicization of these bodies. We saw a number of countries, Australia, voting consistently, and we thank them for it, consistently against anti-Israel resolutions at the Human Rights Council. We saw the United Kingdom and Denmark uh, voting against uh, virtually each of these anti-Israel resolutions making good on their promises. Uh, Friends of Israel uh, in Africa, like Cameroon and the, the Democratic Republic of the Congo, uh, uh, not voting, refusing to vote in favor as, as for so long was expected uh, by African countries, but rather absenting themselves or abstaining on these resolutions. Now, as I said, the math is, is challenging for us. This is going to be a long process. But the fact that we've seen progress over the course of years and decades just goes to show how vital B'nai B'rith's work is, despite all of the investment and despite all of the frustration. Uh, Progress is possible, and we're hoping to see more of it over the years ahead. Well, David, on that note, that's a good note uh, to conclude uh, today's program, and also uh, in making the case for all of these years, since 1945, especially since 1947, when we received our official credentials at the UN, uh, for um, B'nai B'rith, uh, for uh, the Jewish uh, community, the Jewish world to be present. Uh, the B'nai B'rith has uh, been uh, very active uh, in this uh, kind of endeavor. Uh, the UN is not, uh, as you've said, and we've talked about many times, is not a hospitable place for Israel. But uh, there is an opportunity for us uh, to be there, to make the case, uh, as we've done, particularly in the last uh, few weeks, in Paris and Geneva. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening to our podcast today. Please visit our website, B'nebrith.org. Like our Facebook page. Follow us on Twitter. Subscribe on your smartphone through the podcast app for iPhone or through Google Play for Android. And lastly, tell a friend about it. For my guest, David Michaels, I'm Dan Mariashin. We'll talk to you next time on the B'nebrith International Podcast.